0: go yeah I'll just cut out the first four minutes it's fine
1: yeah I'm gonna edit all this shit out too Yep. so we'll we'll start right here welcome to a combo episode of easy peasy podcast and revolution solution I got Cody from Agora Brewing and Jared the Permi guy do I have all that correct yeah nailed it (laughs) yes sir all right, well, why don't you guys tell me what you've been up to? Uh, I'm just curious for a little update since our last talk.
2: Sure, I'll leave it. Um, still doing the Amazon and eBay selling. Uh, they both kind of slowed down for the season, trying to get finances in order, straightened out the way we want them. Um, also, working with Gaia, Gaia Gardens. Um like uh Long care, stuff also in the middle of a pretty good, uh, pretty good sized contract for a landscape install. Um, Mike and I were talking before the recording, trying to get payment figured out. There, I uh, haven't gotten work, so trying not to free, but also don't like the conversation, so trying to figure that out. Um, then we just in the past couple of days have had seven little baby cool catch out. Uh, we were down to only two, one minute email uh but now yeah, we should be able to start growing the flock out and making it sweet. that's the bulk of it all awesome. right on.
0: yeah on my end i'm uh still off work with an injury but uh looking to be back here within the next couple of weeks and uh save up some money and move to the dfw area so doing that here before uh childerberg happens in may on memorial day weekend and uh I'll see
1: you guys there. Hell yeah, man. I'm I'm definitely going to try to be there. You said it's in May?
0: Yeah, it's Memorial Day weekend, uh, the 28th through the 30th.
1: Shit. Texas is a is a little bit of a hop, skip, and a jump for me, but maybe I'll just swing down to Jared's first and, and <laughs> go from there. <laughs> it's hours for me
2: twice last year. Yeah. It's <laughs> a haul. Well, you know, got to do what you got to do, I guess. That's right. It was a good time. Uh Childerberg and, and uh, the Survival Podcast Fall Workshop. Uh, that was their trip.
1: Is that what's new with you, Mike? Well, I was just going to ask. Is that the Survival Work or Survival Podcast Workshop?
2: Yeah, that was uh, uh, November. So that was the second trip I made all the way out to Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, oh. maybe
1: maybe we'll carpool for the next one. That sounds that sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah.
0: There you go. Speaking of that, yeah. I think uh, Texas Joe has his coming up in March or April or something like that.
2: Yeah, it should be soon. I can't remember yeah. the exact fall for it.
0: Yeah, it was April last year. I think he's doing another one. So, what's mm, that? Okay. Yeah. IKC podcast.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I was talking to uh, Tech the day, and he was actually in South Carolina out here uh, a couple months ago and then November obviously down his way uh dallas area it's just kind of kind of funny to hear miss somebody from halfway across the country yeah man yeah well you know i guess if uh
1: if i'm gonna catch you guys up I, i sent you a picture you know the project i've been working on lately i'm trying to build myself a little camper it's uh it's coming along swimmingly so that's that's been the fun project and uh frankly I you know just not worked very hard other than that so (laughs) I've been kind of taking it easy the last month yeah that's the way to do it yeah 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 um but it's funny you know some people wouldn't think so I I I can't help myself these days um i've I've been like stirring some shit up on social media, and people are people are shitty with me and uh, somebody last night got really shitty with me, and it's the kind of thing, man. It's like uh, <laughs> after after uh, kind of like trying to be reasonable for the last couple years, I'm just kind of like i've 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 finished up with my attempt at uh civility for the time being anyhow i don't know how you guys (laughs) feel about that but
2: (laughs) it's it's been a funny note seeing uh the transformation from your podcast the last few months uh, um how how you've kind of moved that um really seemed like you're making a good hard try at both ways with people and just getting firmly rejected that a sour any grapes.
1: Yeah, man. I don't know. It's kind of like, what's the point, you know, let's just talk to people who want to talk. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's kind of
2: the point I've been at. And I, I really social media at all, uh, aside from talking back and forth with other guys on discord. Um, -hmm. that's been the limit of it for me for a few years now.
1: Yeah. You know, Instagram's kind of toxic. I hate to say it, but I, uh, I'm having a hard time giving that shit up, but I'm, you guys actually have been fairly instrumental in, uh, you know, introducing me to discord for one. And I've recently started, started like dabbling with telegram, getting into some groups there, the survival podcast group for one. And, um, yeah, it's kind of like in many ways, I think it's time to pare down and, Limit exposure to toxic influences, you know. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It wears uh, you you out,
0: right? I kind of think of it like Discord or Telegram, like all of these are kind of, you know, most of the ones you're going to be in are like public groups. So it's just a way to sort of pull individuals off to the side and be like, hey, you and I should do this thing or that thing. Um, Rather than be like I'm gonna I'm gonna swim in this ocean of messages and and try to get along with people, it's like man, I, I don't know, you know, eighty percent of you, so I'd rather just, you know, find find the things that we have in common interest in and just you know kind of work from there. Um, you know, there's a there's a couple groups that I'm in like the uh, Sphinx chat and Start Nine chats on telegram and you know it's mostly just people looking for help on their setups with bitcoin stuff and it's like you know like i'm happy to kind of read through there and look just to see if somebody has a problem that i'm having but i'm not sitting there chatting to people you know what i mean
1: yeah well and like with telegram and discord you're you're specifically joining i guess specific you know groups right and uh So there's there's actually like some, I don't know, functional merit to it, like some possible benefit as opposed to, yeah, drinking out of the fire hose of like every (laughs) random motherfucker that you ever knew, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, and the thing so so there's also a slightly higher barrier to entry. So with discord, like you have to know the person or at least know someone who's in it to send you an invite link. Right. But with uh Like if you look at reddit and that's become pretty damn toxic too and it's just because like i can go on there and i can search any community and then i can join and just start like you know being an asshole in the comment sections to anybody and everybody and with any of these like private chats i mean the the chances of getting kicked out are a lot higher and you know like i said you have to know somebody who's in it so that it's a little bit more of a natural community because even in real life, you know, you got to know somebody who knows somebody to get in with them. You can't just like look somebody up, walk up to their front door knock and start having a conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Jehovah's witness or something.
0: <laughs> right. And, and see yeah. how that, that works out most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you know, just the whole social media thing makes me think, I think I, it was before we started recording, but I said something about how I wrote something last night on social media that said you know basically said there are two types of assholes those that want to tell you what to do and those who say fuck you no and like the three of us are probably all the second asshole right yeah guaranteed (laughs) and that's not the kindest language but like these days you almost have to be a little bit of an asshole at times like people are having real discussions, real debates, and you have to be a bit like terse and a bit real and a bit raw. And some people, I don't know, some people really don't like it, but that's why it's maybe better to focus that energy into a space where you're engaging with people who are there for a similar purpose or a similar interest or what have you. Um, So yeah, I, I appreciate the fact you guys have kind of switched me on to, to Discord, you know Telegram. I've kind of found on my own, but you know Instagram, Facebook. That shit's just getting super old, and like I'm pretty sure it's really unhealthy. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, just speaking of the arguments, really quickly, like, uh, one of the problems with like arguing with people about politics or like anything that current events happening right now is that when when you say "fuck," you, you know. What you're really saying is, like, I, I don't even buy into the premise that you and I are having, a, you know, a peaceful conversation, right? Because the conversation that they want to have with you is basically like, um, you know, like, it, it, let's say they want to impose some new law, what they're really saying is, uh i want to have control over you or i want you know somebody to come to your house and and stop you from doing something or take your stuff or whatever um but so what you're saying is you know like like you're you're actually a piece of shit, right (laughs) like you're not just a um a peaceful person having a reasonable conversation and you're trying to tell them that and so it, it becomes very unproductive very quickly because they they're not going to accept that ever
1: Yeah. You know, well, I I guess my, I wrote that little, little line, you know, I often put out little just like bits of what I consider to be poetry. You know, it's kind of terse and, you know, a lot of times it's foul and it's fucking unpleasant and it's just my observations and it's not me saying it's the way it should be. It's me saying it's what I see right now. And, (laughs) you know, like, that's why it feels like right now we do have these like two attitudes, like, do what I say, or you know, fuck off. And yeah, it's not productive. It's not, but it's what
2: I see. Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of, you know, it, it's a silver lining in a way of the whole last few COVID everything. kind just showed you which of those camps, and it's like, all right, see where I've landed. See who else is here with. Let's get to each other. So I think that's that's a pretty deep. I it's it's hard to reach it yeah
1: well you know i guess i think part of um the topic we kind of like suggested for this this episode was sort of adapting to a new like technological landscape to some degree like we're all interested in bitcoin you guys seem to know a bit more about it than I do. Um, frankly, I'm, I'm a total novice when it comes to like crypto aside from what I've listened to about it. I've, I've not really played with it, but like the new social media landscape, the new, uh, you know, the new financial landscape, like all of this is kind of like, it's a lot to consume. It's a lot to digest and make sense of and figure out just this program, like tonight that we're talking on, you know, it took me some time to figure out, like I told you, I've got a really old laptop. So I actually, I did have some trouble downloading it because my iOS is out of date and blah, blah, blah. I had to find some like chat room where I got the old version, blah, 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 blah. But you know, I get very overwhelmed with the technological side of things for a guy who's a self described polymath. I fucking suck with technology a lot of times, you know <laughs> so i'm 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 very curious to like get a little bit of a i don't want to say a beginner's like look at crypto because I think most people are beyond that like very entry-level discussion, but like sort of the practical, how do we, how do we utilize these new tools, you know, crypto included and, you know, incorporate them into our businesses and into our, into our lifestyles. I guess I'd be curious. That's a very broad topic, but if anybody has any, any, you know, thoughts.
2: Cody, you want to go there with crypto to start with?
0: Sure. I uh, I had voice activity turned back on, but then I guess it automatically switched back to push to talk. So I was trying to talk for a second. Sorry. <laughs> so I guess um where how, how far back should we start? So because there's there's the case for sound money, which I think a lot of people don't exactly get like they see Bitcoin as like this. Or any crypto, and this is why crypto ends up being the word as opposed to just Bitcoin um, as a like an investment vehicle like. I'll just put my money here and and let it ride and eventually I'll come out with more. Right. Um, which is what we do with our 401ks and everything else. Right. So we, we kind of look at it from that lens. Um, are you, do you you guys want to like talk about that first?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's a good example of, yeah, we, let's not put the chicken before the egg, I guess the, the justification for some of these new tools and, you know, for sound money in general, You know, obviously there's, there's a lot of folks that are starting to question sort of the stability of the, of the existing sort of mainstream structures. And, um, these alternatives are giving us a way to, to change how we do things. So I think sound money is a great topic. Maybe, maybe we should start there. You know, it's one of these things when you when you throw out like the classic libertarian um you know talking talking point about you know like end the Fed or you know fill in the blank.
0: It's like,
1: yeah, well it's it's like that doesn't really paint the full picture. So a lot of folks mm-hmm. don't realize how unsound their money is. <laughs> You know, just the fact that we accept, or, like, or why and,
0: that's even important, right? Right, mm-hmm. right.
1: You know, just the fact that we accept annual inflation as a supposed good thing for the economy. Like, that most people won't even recognize that fallacy for what it is. And, right. Um, mm-hmm. well, so, anyways, got, I, I'll, got I'll hand a it off.
0: Yeah. yeah, you've got journalists on, like, what was it, Bloomberg or something saying that they think that the reason and we have so much inflation is because of greedy companies. Of course. Who okay, hold on. Look at the dollar bill in your pocket right now. And I'm sorry, I know we don't use cash anymore, but like if you got one, look at it. Just just look at it. Okay? It's a Federal Reserve note and I think a lot of people don't understand what that means. So, you know, it's not the company being greedy that causes inflation like you know and you know this goes back to the difference between Austrian school economics and Keynesian school economics is that the Keynesians, which are the mainstream, like what you're gonna learn in college, um, view inflation through the lens of price inflation. And so they'll say, okay, so if prices are going up, that's because, you know, I, I guess if if you're a Marxist and you have a very surface level understanding, you're gonna go, well, it's because the guy selling you stuff is greedy, right? But the reality is that uh, inflation in the Austrian sense is, um, how much money is in an economy, right? And a lot of people think that money is just, you know, points on a scoreboard. Um, and therefore, it, you know, the more money, the better, I guess, or there's sort of like this, this idea that, um, what am I trying to say here? Like, they don't recognize that it, it's more of a philosophical question, almost. So If you have too much of something, like, you know how when we talk about, like, socialists, like, if if everyone is equal, then, you know, some people are more equal than others or something like that, right? Or or that, you know, oh, how do we put this? Like, the more you have of something, the less it's worth, right? Hmm. Which is, like, really basic economics, right? The more water I have, the less each drop of water is worth. Right. So if I have a gallon for drinking, um, that's going to be worth a lot to me if that's the only gallon I have. But, you know, if I have a a faucet that's connected into city water and I have like a an infinite, super cheap amount of water that I can get on demand, then water means nothing to me. Right. Really? Um, and the same goes for like, you know, it's it's kind of like when like we talk about like Christmas gifts or whatever. And like, some people will try to like buy you with like a whole bunch of gifts or a lot of expensive gifts or whatever. But the, the one that means more is one that's like handmade and hard to make, you know, and and something that's thought thoughtful and, and, um, you know, it it doesn't have that feel to it. Well, if,
1: if, if you can, put it into the simplest terminology, it's kind of like sound money. The idea of sound money is quality, like real. Like quality, yeah. Like good. Like, like it's it's tangible, it's real. It's I mean intangible, that, that, that's relative. Okay. You know, that's where we get into the into the gray of cryptocurrency. But like with silver and gold, it's why a lot of folks in our kind of circles are interested in you know precious metals is it's very real it's there is no more real money than silver and gold and um you know that that idea of the dollar bill being a federal reserve note um, yeah so and, let me get
0: back to that yeah since you're, you're pointing at it right now so what I, my point to all of that was to say that okay so if the if the federal reserve note is a note from the federal reserve then the federal reserve is the one who owns the money Right. So why are we shitting on companies when clearly, like I said, if if you have more of something, the less it's worth. So we're talking about quality, not quantity. Um, then the, the company who owns it should be the one who's criticized. And what, what we need to realize is that, um, you know, just like you were saying with like gold and silver being tangible uh, that people were transacting with eventually what happened is they said well okay if i need to send this a long distance right like you think about nowadays with like amazon or like i can go on aliexpress and order something from china right now um how the hell do i pay that with a gold coin you know if i'm wanting to do this in like a, a high capital way like imagine i'm a company and i'm buying you know hundreds of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stuff like a very large purchase you know, it becomes more and more expensive to send something like that across the ocean. Um, And then, of course, they're going to want to spend money to, you know, have it have that verified like, okay, we're going to melt this gold bar down and make sure it's real gold. Right. Um, So all of these costs come into play. And that's why you see the, the notes come about. And so originally it was just banks doing this and they were warehouses where, you know, they'd say, okay, we've got gold with your name on it. Here's how much you have. And now if you hand someone a piece of paper that represents that gold, now it's their gold. But so you're able to do this transaction in sort of like a bookkeeping way as opposed to a physical hand you the gold way. So we're already doing this intangible thing, right?
1: Right, I mean, That's yeah, like to what's the percentage of um, U.S. dollars at this point that are actual cash versus digital?
0: Uh digital anybody... is astronomical. It it is like ninety yeah, percent it is ninety percent just spreadsheets in the back office of the Fed. Like the, the actual money printing that happens at the Treasury, I I would say it's ten percent or less. That's just my guess off the top of my head. I don't know for sure.
1: You know, I'm tempted because I've heard the story, but if if either of you know it well, um, you know, I can't say that I could recite it, but sort of where we went astray, you know, with the, with the, I don't know, the, the, the removal of the, of the gold standard, the implementation of the federal reserve sort of, do you guys know that chronologically, chronologically, do you know that story? Cause it is, it's huge and not enough. We don't get taught this in school, you know? Yeah. There's good reason
0: for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were covering this on our uh, first episode about Bitcoin um, because I've been reading the Fiat Standard, which is Adina Moose's new book. Um, he's like the young up and coming Austrian economist who wrote, you know, the Bitcoin Standard, and that's what kind of made him famous. But uh, he he traces this in his opening chapters, and the basically the chronology is uh, World War One happens. Well, actually, the Federal Reserve happened in 1913, but uh, they weren't like a big player until after World War II. Um, so I'll explain how that starts. So in World War One, uh, the Bank of England was still the reserve currency of the world because um, you know most gold is held at banks at this point in history. So you've got international markets for the money of each country, right? So you got the British pound versus the German mark and the uh, the French. Uh, is that the Frank Frank yeah Yeah. okay right and the the peso and whatever Um, so what happens is to fund the war um, England has to dilute their currency or what we call debase their currency um, which is the process of increasing the amount so that each individual unit is worth less um, because they don't have the gold to do it, or well, hold on, I'm out of order. Well, okay, yes and no. Okay, so here, here's what happens. So the first thing, the first thing that safety says in the chapter, and things like Chapter Two, is there's a, a letter that is sent out by the Bank of England to all the post offices and all of the banks, and it says, from henceforth. When you receive gold as deposit for an account, you will receive the gold, but you will not pay out the gold. So you're going to pay out uh, pounds, like dollar pounds, um, paper pounds, I mean, and then you're going to keep that gold. And on the back end, without telling anybody, you're going to send the Bank of England, you know, some proportion of this gold. And you're going to keep enough gold to like, you know, deal with your own stuff, but we're going to take the majority of it. And the point of that is that um, they needed the actual gold, the physical gold to pay for the war effort, okay? So essentially what they did was they got all of England hooked on paper IOUs for gold that they were never going to pay back out. They just set it right there, you know? And they said, we're gonna take all this gold and we're gonna send it to the Bank of England, we're gonna pay for the war. Um, Eventually what happens is because of this the you know the fractional reserve system starts you know kicking off and inflating and um the pound starts losing its value um especially on the international markets and so um england basically made this case that well it's these these international money traders who are speculating and they're they're doing all these things on the markets to make the values look wrong and and messed up so what we're going to do is we're going to combat that with um trade barriers and capital controls in order to keep our pound at 425 pounds per ounce of gold that was the original well at the time so like the early 1900s gold standard um the And that's what made them the reserve currency because they were the strongest currency. They maintained that value on purpose. Um, where other currencies were, you know, slowly losing their value because of funny things that the governments were trying to do in their economies. Right. So England was known as this country that was really good about maintaining the value of their money. Because it started losing that value, they blamed it on all the, you know, the people trading and doing arbitrage on international markets. And you know, they, they started making trade barriers. So eventually, this starts biting them in the butt. And um, they're relying on the US support. So this is actually part of the reason why the US is involved in these European wars, even though we're on an entirely different continent, is because um, the US is basically helping England not collapse during it. Um, so where, where am I in my story so far?
1: So we've well, got, well. we've got, we've got basically a, a situation in which the gold's been taken out of the hands of the British people. And it's, I mean, are they issuing more and more dollars despite, do they have a, a supply of gold to back it up? What is the gold standard? What does that mean? I mean,
0: right. Well, so the gold standard means that the the amount of money per ounce of gold stays the same. So, um, in the U S it was, I think at, at one point it was $20 for an ounce. And then it, you know, after Bretton woods, which we'll get to in a second, it was $35 an ounce. So you can see now all of a sudden the dollar is worth less cause it takes 35 of them instead of 20, mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So the gold standard means that the dollar is worth this many gold or this many dollars is worth an ounce of gold. Right. Yeah, right. So quantifiable
1: comparison to a tangible, valuable good. This is what this note represents.
0: Right. So it's like an IOU. If I write an IOU that says I owe you $100 and then I come the next day and say, "Um, actually, I'm only going to give you 80 and you're just going to have to be okay with that.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: Right. So it's the same thing. It's like, oh, if you want this ounce of gold back, you're actually going to have to give me 35 instead of 20. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so, and when, that
1: was made that decision. I mean, are we jumping ahead here, but, like the Brenton Wood agreement was this international policy? was this u s policy? Who decided all of a sudden? was it completely arbitrary?
0: Well, okay, so, okay, so the British pound eventually, what happened because because of the the trade things that were happening and because we were supporting the British pound in World War one, eventually, um The Federal Reserve started having pressure on it because it was causing gold to flow out of the Federal Reserve to England. And we weren't happy about that. So, what happened eventually is um, we get into World War II and uh, we say, okay, you know what? Um, We're going to make through the Bretton Woods Agreement, which is basically an agreement among, I'm not sure which countries, but I think it's the Allied powers after World War II. Um, It's basically an agreement that says we're going to allow the U.S. dollar to become the world reserve instead of the British pound. And everybody else's currencies is going to be based on the U.S. dollar and the U.S. dollar is going to be based on gold. And this is when it changed to 35 per ounce. Um, So that was basically the new deal is like, okay, um, we're going to have to dilute all of the currency um, by making it 35 an ounce rather than 20 because we have to pay for this war. So they've made the debt worth less by making the money worth less, because if they owe a million dollars, and now they've got more money that they just gave to themselves by by making gold more expensive, um, by printing these extra dollars, then it take it's it's less actual value that it takes to pay that debt back.
1: Right. Right. It's I mean, it's the same thing we're seeing done today. Right. Devaluing the debt because because if a hundred billion dollars is only worth, you know, seven billion dollars ten years from now, well, that's a little easier to pay off. I mean, right.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's even worse. more like five, five billion. Sure. 10 billion. I'm
1: just throwing yeah. numbers out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I get even you. worse. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that started right after world war two sort of, well,
0: yeah, it was going on beforehand. It's just that basically England had to hand off the, the ownership of that process to the U S after mm-hmm. world war two, because essentially the 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 shorthand version of of the theory of why the us won these world wars is because they were the last to get involved because the only way you win these wars is by inflating hmm. because you can't you you can't afford it right like think of any regular company like if i had a landscape company like would i have the money to like just go buy a whole bunch of ar15s and arm up like you know 50 thugs and then just start robbing people Right. Right. No, I I have a business that I'm trying to run. And if I start doing that, then I lose money from the business and the whole thing falls apart. Right. So if I can print my own money now, all of a sudden it's feasible because I've got people who have to, to work to live and to eat and they're paying me taxes and I can take out a loan from my money printer, which is the Federal Reserve. And I can go fight a war. And that loan is based on credit, which is based on my birth rate of my country and the expected taxes that I can get from them in the future.
1: So is, is this system almost just a, a thing that was crafted out of necessity, you could maybe argue during these periods of world war to fund something that would otherwise be unfundable? I mean, is that...
0: Yeah, I mean, it's because you think about it, like governments are inherently, you know, these violent entities. And so they're going to get into wars. And I think that all of the things that come from that, like all the inflation, all the money manipulation, market manipulation, that sort of just dominoes falling like, oh, shit, we have to take care of this other problem now. And, you know, it's I don't think they even design it from the start. It's almost like just sort of a, a inevitability from the financial fact. Right. The economic fact of it it's just like well okay you went and signed up for all of these uh all of this debt how are you going to pay for it right and inflation is the most politically viable way of doing that because they can't just go around demanding a, a double in taxes right without well, you, revolution on their own side. i was gonna
1: say you know in the days of in the days of genghis khan or you know <laughs> that's exactly what they would do is they would expand the empire and they would And they would they would impose tax on on everyone and eventually they would expand beyond their means and it would fall apart. But there was no means Mm -hmm. of there was no means of unlimited credit for these for these sort of ancient empires. They actually fell apart
0: as opposed to being able to just keep pushing that debt off, Mm -hmm. pushing the pushing the, the dues that like the dues never come due kind of thing. Right,
1: right. So, I mean, is that, is that the long and short of it or is there more?
0: So, okay. So that's Bretton Woods. Um, Mm -hmm. eventually you had, and and this is, this is why they were able to do the great society in the sixties, all the welfare programs Mm -hmm. that we remember is, um, now that we have control of the international markets, we can do funny business in our own country without screwing it up too bad. When you're not in control of it, And you have to actually like manage your economy well, otherwise fall apart internationally at two. Um, But because the Federal Reserve was now the backing of the world, they could do that. So they were able to inflate locally. Um, And then 1971 comes around and Richard Nixon takes us off the gold standard. And this is why I tell people, look look at that dollar bill. It is a note. It is an IOU for something else. It is not money in itself, right? So we're using these bad IOUs because Richard Nixon said, sorry we spent all the gold we wars we've been doing i can't remember if vietnam was before or after 71 but we've been we've been doing all this stuff it was before okay so we did vietnam right we don't have the gold anymore guys we're not going to pay it back
1: i think we were still in vietnam till 72 or three if i'm not mistaken it was like 68 to 71 72 something like that i might be talking out of my ass but i think that's right Sorry. Okay. Go on. Well,
0: it would make sense as far as the story goes. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and that's and and then you see of course the um it wasn't a full-on depression, but you see the recession of the 70s. Um and then we just keep going through these cycles forever more, like these 10-year cycles. This is the the boom-bust cycle, right? So, right. They manipulate the economy to try to push that debt off while also doing all this stuff to appease the voters, you know, promising welfare, promising X, Y, and Z. And then, um, you know, so there, there's com, there's the housing bubble and now we're in the, the, what they're blaming on COVID, which to me is really just them having to pay the dues for the way that they handled the housing bubble 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've heard it said, and I don't want to mischaracterize the thought because it's not so much a, a conspiracy As it is just um, like perhaps there was incentive to lock down the economy globally because there was a natural sort of recession coming anyways. I mean, I am no fucking economist, so I really probably shouldn't even regurgitate this kind of shit without without knowing what I'm talking about but there's there's maybe something to that like if if there was already a downturn coming sort of having a good excuse to just like psh, swipe it under the rug um
0: yeah well let me ask you this do the words controlled demolition mean anything to you
1: (laughs) yeah yeah or i mean i I stand
0: on that firmly i'm not even going to shy away from it i do believe that that's what's happening um Mm. like i i'm you know without getting too conspiratorial i'm the the guy here that doesn't even believe the virus necessarily has to be real like I, i think a lot of this you know people are sick but i think people are always getting sick and you know we can talk about get into you know food later and talk about how Monsanto is probably the source of ninety percent of that. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so people were always getting sick and they were getting more and more sick since you know the seventies, since we went off the gold standard, since all the you know the financial chicanery started up.
2: And um,
1: Yeah, I was gonna say and yeah, since since basically um you know the small farmer was was destroyed and the and the big egg, you know system came in i mean
0: yeah so so if you think of like this debt-based economy ever since 71 there's all sorts of people you can be in debt to you can be in debt to monsanto because if you're using their corn guess what you got to do you got to buy their fertilizer and you got to buy their roundup you got to buy their
1: seed you're not allowed mm to you're not allowed to save your own seed and if
0: you're exactly and if you're in debt to um you know all of big ag who's giving you shitty processed foods that are making you sick. Guess what? Now you have to pay the doctor, right? So okay. if if you're in if if you're sick from COVID, now you have to pay for all of the the Pfizer and Moderna stuff. And look who's in control of it and look how tied in they are to the same organization that has control of the money. It's all just the same game in different industries. That's the way I look at it.
2: Yeah, that's really been eye-opening to me as I'm like going journey, learning about permaculture and Bitcoin kind of simultaneously for the last few years once you start seeing the connections too it's really wild like the same way that the money's been destroyed it it almost necessitated the food system and medicines destroyed to go along with because it. it's all the same system applied in different areas
0: yeah so um there was one one more thing i was going to say about the economics so far um oh well maybe we'll come back to me Um, (laughs) so let's let's talk about permaculture for a second
1: i was i was about to say i mean because permaculture is like to me a um it's all about quality. It's all about, um, real sort of, uh, return and, uh, ha, <sighs> ah, it's a hard, it's a, this is a hard thing to put your finger on exactly. But this idea of sort of the, the fallibility of our money system as it currently stands with everything you've just said. And, um, uh, you We need, we need systems of quality, not of cheap profit, but of sort of quality returns. And, and I think that like in terms of money, we, we need something different. We need something like Bitcoin, which apparently we have now. And when it comes to our food, it's no different. It's a, uh, it's, it's a system of rules that, that can be applied for a real sort of productive, you know, advance.
0: Yeah. So before we get into Bitcoin just yet, so there were two things I want to, I want to mention, um, the first one is I remembered what I was going to say, and it was that, so ever since 71, because people didn't have that real, you know, that, that thing like gold that they could put their savings into what you've seen is eyes of you know everyday schmucks getting into the stock market using their 401k as a retirement plan um and you also see like the use of real estate as sort of the new the new gold right the new long-term investment right so uh, reapplying this to what you just said um what i would say is you know what you mean by quality almost is not because you're kind contrasting it against sort of these like gains and you think of like um you know people trying to turn a quick profit or like some you know snake oil salesman just trying to get your money and run kind of thing right and what you're saying is well, we need to we need to build these systems that are going to last us a lifetime and are going to be healthy and real for that duration right and, and it's it's almost like an infrastructure that we build up up so that we can survive. What do you think about that?
1: Well I guess um yeah I, I I'm also when I think of quality in terms of like I'm not arguing for mm, I'm not arguing to make Walmart illegal. But if you go to Walmart and you buy yourself a blanket, you're gonna spend nine ninety nine and you're gonna take it out, and it's gonna you know fall apart the first time you use it. Whatever, it'll last you. You'll probably end up putting it in the closet. The moths will get to it. Now nah, they don't even want it. It's all polyester. Fuck it. But my point is, if you go and you spend that fifty dollars on a real nice blanket, or better yet, you fucking knit it yourself. Spend fifty bucks on fucking yarn and knit it yourself, and then all of a sudden you've got a family heirloom. You know that's a choice. That's that's a choice of quality. And I'm all about the freedom of choice. You know, nobody should be forced into quality. But if we can sort of convince people that quality is what you need, you know, it's like instead of choosing the Monsanto, you know, corn syrup, you choose the permaculture farm that, you know, is on the outskirts of the town you live in. Uh, You know, it's no different. The choice between spending U.S. dollars and spending, hypothetically, you know, Bitcoin or gold well, or silver or fill in the blank. You know, there's there's better quality options that that we have the choice to use. Like today,
0: right? Okay, so so let me let me jump off of that. Um, this is actually a point that Safedine makes all the time uh, when he's talking about time preference, right? So if you think about <clears throat> that shitty blanket. That's going to fall apart right away. Why do we have to do that? Why do people buy that? Well, it's because their wage doesn't rise at the same rate as inflation, right? So if inflation is 10% and I only get a quarter every year, um, I'm actually getting paid less every single year, right? So, you know, let's say, you know, say I make 20 bucks an hour and I get a quarter every year. What is that? Let me get my calculator. I'll find
1: well, let's say after four years, you're at $21, <laughs> you <know? laughs> you're talking a quarter dollar an hour more. Exactly. Every year. So yeah. yeah okay. Right, so, right. so so
0: after four years, you've gained a dollar,
1: you've gained a dollar after four
0: yeah. years. That's 40%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's not even right. So you're still going to be able to eat and you may even see the value of your house go up because the price of housing has gone up, but that really sucks if you're trying to buy a house. right? it's fine if you already have one right right right, so if the value of your money is constantly going down then the issue isn't it's that with sound money you might be willing to take that and invest it in something that is going to be worth having for a long period of time but when the money is shit then you buy shit because Mm. a that's all you can afford and b the money is losing value faster than the thing that you're buying.
1: Well, how do you buy anything but shit if it's shit exactly. in your pocket? Yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah. so the issue is, um, and, and Jared and I are going to be looking into this. But um, how do you maximize the percentages on the gains and losses of everything that you do? So. If you have a credit card that gives you so much percent back on purchases and you're able to pay it off every month so that you're not accruing interest, well that's a slam dunk, right? Cuz that's free money. Right. Okay. So now the US dollar is, you know, it, it it the real rate, so they they call it 7% right now, but the real rate is more like 14, okay? The average rate. Or I think I think 14 is the average rate for the world, but the US dollar is at 7, okay? I don't believe that cuz that's based on CPI. Most of the time, or it's—I think it's based on M two actually, but it, it's very inaccurate how they calculate it because you have to consider like what is money. You know, is it stocks and is it like U.S. Treasury bonds? Whether or not those get included, things like that. Um, whether or not like uh, someone's deposit account in the bank counts or not, that sort of thing. Um, but so I would—I would say it's easily probably at least ten percent. So I'm just gonna say ten percent in the U.S. Um, and where was it going? So, so, with a credit card that has cash back and you pay it off every month, that's free money. Um, in the case of Bitcoin, we've seen about 150 to 200% on average increase per year. Okay, with gold, it was, well, it was a lot since uh, 1971, but gold was you know always gaining value. So, the the point is you want to hold on to something that's gaining value. It's not necessarily what you transact in that matters. It's the value that you're able to retain in the process. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why even um like you have people living on Bitcoin right now. But what they're usually doing is they're buying all the Bitcoin they can afford to buy that they know is going to be saved for a long period. But the rest of their money is going to stay in the US dollar because they still need to buy groceries. Right. And they're okay because doing that, because they're getting rid of something crappy, the U S dollar in exchange for groceries, which they can eat. Right. Something, something worthwhile and worth having. Um, and so this is why, like when it comes to, you know, savings or anything, I always try to tell people like, Hey, the first savings you need is your food supply, right? You know, I'd start with figure out how much food you need from and go there and then do three months, right. Then do your actual savings plans. You know, people say like have $600 for a rainy day and then, and then have three months of, of pay backed up and then have six months of pay backed up in case you lose your job. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so I would start with food and then I would say what, anything that you're planning on holding longer than, well, at this point, I think Jared and I have been talking and I'd say anything longer than, than a month I would put into something sound in in our case that's bitcoin and we can get into why we think that is
1: yeah you know it's funny because i have not have not invested in crypto you know i dabbled back in the run-up of what would have what would that have been like 2016 2017.
0: yeah 17 the, the block size wars
1: yeah you when know, it was getting-
0: Really crazy.
1: It was getting nutso, nutso but so. I should have put in like five hundred bucks, you know, before that ever happened and just watched it go up. But instead that I man. put in two hundred dollars right at the peak and I watched it fizzle down to like, I don't know, I don't know, twenty bucks, fifteen, something like that. I was just like, womp, womp. (laughs) Yeah. Are you still holding on to that though? Well, the funny thing is, man, I, I lost access to my Jack's wallet that I was using.
0: Oh no. You know, did you not, did you not do the backup?
1: Well, if I did, I can't fucking remember <laughs>
0: where you put it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm God. it sure. probably, you know, was in a pocket and got washed or something. Well,
1: I, you know, there's, a, there's one little notebook. I, sw- I swear to God, I've got this, I've got like boxes of books and shit everywhere. And there's one little notebook I've tried to find. And it was the notebook that I was using at that point in time in my life. And if I ever find that fucking notebook, I, bet you anything i wrote the key in there but i can't find that goddamn notebook so i i have no idea
0: 200 bucks back then right now would be pretty dang good (laughs) yeah well see that's the classic mistake man
1: i'm like i'm just that i'm that kind of (laughs) idiot
0: yep i feel you um that's Ooh. yeah. That's why I have like a, an actual safe, and it's got all my like you know my social security card and all that in it, and that's where my Bitcoin seats go to.
2: Yeah. And a decoy safe. safe, and a
1: decoy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> booby right, traps, yeah. lasers, all that shit. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs>
1: well, so I guess
0: it,
1: you you kind of like got started, but why do you think both of you? Maybe we'll start with Jared.
0: Yeah, sorry. I've been taking that up
1: here. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. It's cool. I'm just Uh, (laughs) typing. Why do you think Bitcoin is worth exchanging dollars for? I mean, if you can say.
2: Yeah. Uh, Before I jump into that, I wanted to share an analogy that I heard a few months ago. I guess it's uh, Natalie Brunel on Bitcoin Magazine uh, Twitter Spaces had basically compared sound money to permaculture, not quite directly. I'll not explicitly,
0: but it was really close.
2: It was it was borderline. So government money is chemical fertilizer, keep the financial system afloat while degrading life in the system. Sound money, i.e. Bitcoin, is like beautiful, bountiful nature. Maybe you improve this needed, but it is productive as you stay out of its way. And no one is actually big or powerful enough to get in its way. Absolutely, do not just make structural changes without deep and thoughtful testing of the impact of. Them. I really like the analogy because the the money printer turned on is chemical fertilizer. You're increasing gains right now at the expense of later you. So with that in mind, that is what a large part of what bitcoin eliminate with no person in charge of money supply there's a limitacity. And, and uh
0: audience messed up
2: yeah just gonna... a
0: little bit of a robot here i mean i, th- I think we get what you're saying it's just yeah. i'm trying to figure out if there's something we can do about it
1: i didn't want to interrupt you but i'm glad cody said something yeah,
0: uh, it, let me.
2: Uh, I'll unplug and replug it, and we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to decide if it's your internet or your mic.
2: Testing, testing. Yeah, we can hear you.
0: Test it one more time. Test, test, woo. And that's a little better.
1: Still kind of, mm-hmm. kind of funny, but. We did, we, we kind of were able to get most of that.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it really, I'll, I'll say it just in case anybody's not getting it. Um, it's like, think think of it like you've got a cornfield and you have to cover it in all of this chemical fertilizer. And essentially what's happening is you're just eroding all of the nutrition out of the soil. And, you know, if you think of it, like the soil blows away eventually, right? Um, because you're just, you're just destroying you know, all of the organic matter that's holding it together because you keep, you know, you, you plant it, you grow it, and then you rip it out. And every single time you're having to pump these added inputs in just to make the whole thing work. All right. So it's like, it's almost like it's working, but it's, it's like a fake working because you're having to artificially make it work as opposed to just having, you know, soil that's healthy, that works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's low quality. It's, it's, you know, it's cheap. Yeah. It's the cheap way of getting a yield, but everything about it is low quality. It's, you know, your final product is low quality because your soil that you're, 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 not, you're not treating it with the respect it deserves. It's not sound. It's not, it's not grounded in reality. Um, you know, I think there's something about it's, it's becoming obvious that a lot of these things are just, they're so cheap on their surface. You know, another word might be fake right
0: yeah I mean basically so yeah so I'll give like my kind of basic understanding is that you know so the, the Federal Reserve says they have rules but they kind of don't, right? Because they're, they're kind of guided by politics and by public opinion. If they think that like anything, if you notice the way like the Fed chair will come out every week or whatever and make some statement about what they're targeting, and he basically has to go out there and find a way to say basically nothing so that he doesn't shake the markets. And that's a scary <laughs> thought, right? Like one guy comes out, says three sentences, and all of a sudden your 401k is destroyed. Right, right. And so the idea of Bitcoin is there's nobody controlling the thing. And what we're really doing is saying, I have this program that verifies that the money that I have on this program conforms to a set of rules. And we verify that everyone's playing by the same rules because they connect in a network and the only way that I can send you money is if the money you're using is the same as mine. So we all have to play by the same rules in order for this to work. Otherwise, it just breaks. And, and you know, speaking of 2017, I brought up the block size wars earlier. Um, when Bitcoin Cash was created, that was them saying, we are going to make a different rule, which was the block size at the time. And in doing so, it, it became a new coin. OK, so it's it's the same program, but one of the rules has changed. And so now those transactions that hold coins that conform to that rule can't interact with the original protocol because it doesn't conform. So they can interact with each other, but they can't interact with Bitcoin. And um, so so that's basically how the network works is you've got the widest network on Bitcoin that says we're doing Bitcoin and we value this for a reason because It's designed so that anyone can run a node, and there is a definite hard cap of 21 million, or about 21 million, and um, you can verify that. And because you're running the program, when you receive funds on it, you know that those funds are real. You know, just like I said, with um, if I send gold to someone overseas or any kind of institutional payment, right? Uh, whoever receives it has to verify that the gold is real. And that's a really expensive and, and time-consuming process. Um, Safedine brings up in the gold standard, or I'm sorry, in the fiat standard, that when you even just sit sending gold overseas, like if I'm gonna send gold across the Atlantic to, to England, it's gonna lose 7% of its value along the way because I had to pay for shipping, I had to pay for verification, I had to pay for you know bodyguards and all of these things, right? And so, it, it becomes a really expensive process, right? And I just said that the U.S. dollar is losing ten percent of its value every year, or at least seven, right? According to even the the people who don't agree with me on this stuff, right? They say it's seven. Okay.
1: You know, they might not have lost quite as much to pirates back in the day, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like that's that's a significant amount, 7%. right? So if,
0: if international trade sucked on the gold standard now you've made all trade for everybody. Suck. Yeah. And uh, that's, so when we look at Bitcoin, it's like, okay, now the, the only thing that makes, like, I can verify that the transaction is real. And when I send a transaction, the, the fees that I pay on that aren't related to the amount that I'm sending. So like, if I want to send all of the, Gold in my company, which could be like a ton of value worth, you know, if it was gold, that would be like several hundred pounds. Right. And then you might pay by the pound for how much gold you're moving. And that that's directly related to the value of the gold, because the weight of gold is the value of gold with Bitcoin. The weight of a Bitcoin is different from the value. So when you send a transaction, the weight is actually just um, how much data you take up on the blockchain. And so like one Bitcoin transaction could be anywhere from $5 to $5 million. And it costs the same to send. And so it solves that problem of the overseas unfeasibility of gold. Right. So that right. that's what it has up on it. That's the leg up it has on gold.
1: And that's, I mean, that's pretty obvious. And that's why most money is already digital as we've already right. established. Uh, you know, I guess um, people are starting to warm up to the idea, but obviously it's been kind of a slow adoption and um I don't know, do you guys like have any any idea of do you think it's really gonna become a widely used and traded form of currency? like what do you think about the fact that it's currently legally you know it's it's categorized not as a currency but as a asset right i mean is that just a a ploy property Property. it's okay it's property so what the fuck is the difference you know property like currency what's the difference
0: well you pay taxes on your car every year you don't pay taxes on your bank account
1: yeah well what if God damn! Right. God damn! Right. You know, I you know, it just seems so arbitrary to me. I don't. I, yeah,
0: <laughs> no, I agree because money <laughs> is just a good that's achieved moneyness for whatever reason, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, I'll let Jared. If you have any notes from uh, the Bitcoin Magazine live stream we were watching earlier today, they brought up some stuff related to this. I don't know if you have thoughts.
2: Oh, to the like percentage moneyness and the ability. Well, to, uh... Uh, what Estrem uh, was talking about?
0: Yeah, that, or just, or just like the adoption. Like, what do you think about that? What were some of your takeaways? Because we were watching this just, just today.
2: It was, was interesting the way that he kind of bribed moneyness completely. It's in the the paradoxically that gold wasn't a good money because of its additional utility. You actually want the money. To have its value specifically as being, so
1: like because gold is actually a usable metal, it would be silly to use it as a transactional, you know, item, right? I can see that argument. I can well, see that. Well,
0: it's that it's that, it, it's that any anything that starts as something else is going to be that something else first. Mm -hmm. And so it may achieve money qualities like, for example, um, stocks get used as money a lot. So if I have Apple stock, I know that Apple stock is pretty liquid. There are a lot of people out there and liquidity, by the way, uh, is defined as like you have a lot of people out there who want this thing. That's what makes it liquid. Um, If I have a stock in some company that nobody knows about, then it may be hard for me to sell it. Right. But Apple stock gets used as money right? U- US treasury bonds get used as money because it's considered a safe place to store. So like, there's always people using that, right? Um, with Bitcoin, the idea is we've designed this to be money. And so it can achieve that to a degree better than any other good on the market.
1: <clears throat> it makes sense. Um, I like this, this image of things of moneyness. like a lot of mm-hmm. things are Pseudo money or, or they're on the spectrum of money, you know, I'm sitting here in my workshop and I've got, you know, a little, uh, locker full of hardware. I've got various tools, you know, power tools, hand tools. And, you know, I always, I always figure if shit goes sideways, you know, well, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. I have not invested in crypto the way I have in tangible tools knowing that their value to me personally is way greater in their, in their usability and my ability to make money with them. Um, sure. But that also is predicated on the idea that if I ever am totally broke, I've got a good stockpile of valuable goods that are more or less as good as money as people say. Right. and, so, you know, it's funny cuz talking about the cheap blanket from Walmart, you know, that's pretty fucking low on the moneyness scale, you know, while people do need blankets, <laughs> it's like uh, you know, sure. again, the issue of quality and there's so if there's this spectrum of of moneyness or of quality of of I guess transactability, right? What we've been trying to do as people, I think, as we've evolved with this ever more complex economic system is we've we've played around with the rules of money and we've learned kind of what works and what doesn't and, you know, how far you can push it, maybe. But
0: right. Well, it's it's sort of a natural organic process, right? So this mm-hmm. is, all about, you know, barter and indirect, indirect exchange and why those are different. Mm-hmm. Um. So you start out with barter and, and, and that's where, you know, I have chickens and you have cows and we need to be able to trade, but maybe you don't want chickens. Right. So then I have to go find the thing you do want. Right. Right. But then I have to hope that the person who has the thing you do want, wants chickens. Okay. So eventually what, what happens is we decide, you know what, there's this thing that everybody wants and you know, it it was grain, it was salt, it was, um, trying to think of something else basically something that everybody always wants and it become what becomes money is is something that i know that i can hold on to for the time when i need to go to the market and i can get the things that i need with it with anybody right so that goes back to the liquidity right so i need to be able to trade people with it and so chickens might be less liquid because not everybody wants chickens all the time.
1: But eggs are fairly liquid, you know. They can be <laughs> just yeah. as an example, you know, it's like it's a spectrum. So I guess what right. I kind of like what I was driving towards is if there's this spectrum of quality of moneyness, you know, I think Bitcoin is far beyond it just from what I know what I've gathered, not that I'm an expert, uh it's far beyond the quality of even the U.S. dollar, yeah. You know, so, right. so it's something to take note of and 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 use for that exact reason, right?
0: Right. So think of it this way: eggs expire, chicken expires, all of these things expire. Even grain that might make it through the winter, you need to use up, you know, so that you can refill your stores with the new grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, eventually they do rot, and they'll get mold, and they'll get mice in it. Um, yeah, yeah. and the U S dollar, you can think of that as rotting, right? You can think of inflation as rot. So a sound yeah. money doesn't rot. Silver tarnishes gold. Doesn't that's what made gold better. Hmm. Gold is also more rare, which increases the value, right? And
1: it's so pretty, and it's, it's pretty,
0: <laughs> right? It, it's more rare. It's shiny. It has an industrial use and it doesn't lose its value over time
1: diamonds um, another good example very well
0: here's the here's a problem with diamonds yeah. though diamonds are unique right they're not fungible so eggs are fungible so this is a pro for eggs moneyness hmm. of eggs an egg is an egg as long as they're about the same size right you can kind of figure that out right so if i have a carton of large eggs and they're all about the same size most people would be okay with that and they'd say okay a carton of large eggs is a carton of large eggs right but a Big diamond and a little diamond or a big diamond and another big diamond, but one of them has a flaw are valued differently. And that value has to be denominated in whatever the current money is because I can't walk up with two diamonds that are the same size with one of them being a flaw and say, I would like to purchase this for two diamonds. It doesn't work that way.
1: So here's an interesting maybe question along these lines. I'm sitting here looking at a stack of quarters, right? I go to the laundromat and I put fifteen bucks worth of, you know, paper dollars in the machine. I get fifteen dollars worth of quarters out. Is it worth my time? I've thought about this to sort my quarters. What is it? Pre nineteen seventy one? Yeah.
0: Well so that would depend on the is is the metal value worth more than the current value of the coin?
2: Yes. I believe it oh, is. Oh, then
0: it might be because, because yeah, pre the Silver 70- quarters are
2: like
1: silver $2 or $3 quarters at least. Silver quarters, yeah. So, so how that- much
0: time would you invest into doing that? So I guess that's the economic calculation well, there.
1: This is a permaculture idea. I'm stacking functions. If I'm in the fucking laundromat, so this is a little bit smaller scale from say like buying Bitcoin, but sure. for a guy like me who's kind of simple minded, <laughs> you know, I I like things that I can touch and feel. I'm already at the laundromat. I'm already feeding dollar bills, which in my mind have, you know, limited value (laughs) to put it, you know, generously uh, into the machine. And these quarters are coming out at me. And maybe every fourth or fifth or 10th is a true silver quarter. And knowing that the dollar might collapse, or just continue to decline, is it maybe not worth my time to, you know, just stack my functions. I'm in the laundromat. Hey, maybe I, I gotta put an extra one dollar bill in to finish my load of, you know, clothes in the dryer, but I I stash all those silver quarters over my, you know, every, you know, two week visit to the laundromat after a couple of years, you know, you've got a stash of silver, right? You know shit like that maybe is worth doing just as much as investing in crypto you know because well, it is also sound it it's just maybe slightly lower on the on the scale of quality but it's still higher than that paper you're feeding into the into the machine true right?
0: well okay so this goes back to the, like the percentages so if it were me and this is how much more of a bitcoiner i am if it were me, I would take that silver and I would sell it for the dollar value. And then I would buy crypto with it. Yeah. Or I would buy Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin, like I said, is gaining value at a much higher rate. So I'm going to if I'm going to hold a thing that is money or has moneyness, I'm going to hold the thing that is most moneyness of all the things, right? Because like I said, I can't, you know, this, this goes back to the whole you can't eat money thing, right? Your tools can be used your food can be eaten Mm -hmm. your any any like capital good like your car can be driven right your house can be lived in your money can only be used to go get other things so you should keep the thing the the money that is losing its value the least and in fact gaining right because even silver i mean silver has been demonetized gold is being demonetized if you look at gold versus bitcoin over the past two years like it's happening right now. So like, I, I'm not a big advocate of precious metals because I just, to me, it's, it's wasted time and it's wasted space in my vaults. And it's, you know, it's heavy, right? Like, why would I want to store that when I could store all of my value on the Bitcoin network in a, a trustless way, in a way that I don't have to really protect, especially if I've done it, you know, we, we've talked about wallets. If you want to go check out that episode, um, where like they, they have hardware wallets now that are trying to, Make your keys in a way that they don't ever touch the internet, mm-hmm. so that like mm-hmm. if you have malware on your computer then the hacker isn't going to get that key and the point of that is that you can use this to store all of this value in a place that you can take anywhere and you can do it without weight so like if I deleted like if I threw my phone in a river, deleted the app, threw my phone in the river, and then took a plane to Mexico, I could memorize the key to my Bitcoin, and then I could go across the border, I could get a new phone, download the app, and restore that wallet, and boom, it's all there. Hmm. Right? Yeah. If I take gold with me, and a coyote says, you need to give me some of that for me to take you across the border, or just to let you go.
1: Or give it to me, you know, and if you don't, or, it'll shoot you. Know, you. Yeah. Border
0: patrol, yeah. right? Yeah, you you yeah, may yeah. have to bribe people, right? Right. I mean, well, so, if you have okay. Bitcoin, you could say, "I don't have Bitcoin. I, I don't have anything. I'm broken and walking around in my shoes and, and shorts, and that's all I got, man."
1: I totally, I totally see that argument. Security, like just convenience. Um, you know, you'll occasionally get people making the assertion. Well, what if you're in a position where you have no access to your electronic digital, you know, assets. Right. Um, so I can see, I can see a valid sure. argument for a limited stash of sort of like precious metal. Some people talk about, you know, ammo is a good, it's just barter item for disaster scenarios, but say you're in a hurricane, uh, area. Or, you know, tornado tears through or fill in the blank, you know, cash is always king. But, you know, frankly, like if if there was a more nationwide disaster, you know, it's 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 not really I don't think it's practical to think that the Internet will ever go down permanently, uh, you know, everywhere. But to to lose access to it in your immediate vicinity is a very real possibility. Uh, you, you know, tons of different scenarios that could be the case. So, so a little stash of, of precious metal, I think makes a hell of a lot of sense for that. Uh, if you do in fact need to bribe somebody or, you know, you know, hitch a lift or, you know, whatever. Uh, but you don't want to be in a position where that's all you've got. That's for damn sure. Uh so I don't know, you know, Jack Spiirko always says five to ten percent. I think that's probably actually on the high side. Um, you know, maybe you need a few hundred bucks cash and a few hundred bucks worth of worth of gold or you know, just jewelry or what have you. But you know, I think you're probably right where long term you're way smarter just putting it putting it into the thing that is not only the most secure and the most Sort of sound, but also brings you the most return, right?
0: Right. Well right. go ahead, go ahead Jerry.
2: Oh, um, so what I wanted to add was Bitcoin is the first time that security and weightlessness have been combined. Mm, you know, mm. either either obviously you're working with something very head transmit, large value that comes with a high security cost, right, right? or you've got something falling apart like the U.S. dollar highly liquid still. It just doesn't have the underlying uh, stability.
0: Yeah. I lost yeah. my point a bit at the um, end. No, you're good. Uh, so here, here's where I'll, I'll step in on this one. Um, I actually agree with you, but I'll I'll differ on the gold thing, and here's why. I actually wrote an article about this on my blog, agorabrewing.blog, um, about diversification. And the issue to me... Like I said, it, it's about holding the thing with the most moneyness. So in a, a disaster situation, let's say it's hur- Hurricane Katrina, you're right, you know, getting someone bottled water might be better than giving them gold or giving them Bitcoin, or you may not even have access to Internet at the time, right? You're all the cell towers are knocked out or whatever the heck it is. Um, But my argument is that, you know, I've I've been into prepping since for years before I was ever, you know, a libertarian or a Bitcoiner or any of this. Um, And one of the things I learned from prepping is that you get into a disaster scenario like that and you've got basically a big four of tradable goods and that's going to be luxury items. So uh, vices like alcohol and tobacco, coffee, weed, weed. toilet paper and ammo. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Those are going to be your big four. Then you're going to get into, you know, foodstuffs and, you know, anything that somebody might need blankets because it's winter, right? Hygiene items. Hygiene is a big one. Um, Yeah. Just stuff like that, right? There's a giant list of things that I would rather have than gold or silver in a disaster scenario. And there's, and, and I think other people are smart enough to know that, that they would want those, more than gold in that scenario right because at that time you know what indirect exchange what this whole purpose of money does is it enables a wider economy but we're talking about a scenario in which that wider economy is shut down like if the internet shuts Mm -hmm. down you know how many companies are going to lose access to their like their mode of selling on the internet or their their suppliers or access to um their bank accounts because they can't log in or whatever it is and these companies are going to be just regular people again trying to survive. Um so uh, again to me it's like I said
1: so what I'm if not you gonna need hold to, Bitcoin not, if not, I
0: have an empty pa- I'm not gonna buy Bitcoin if I have an empty pantry. And if I'm in a scenario like that, you know, I, I want to prep for all of those things. I don't want to just have money.
2: Yeah. Yeah that's kind of the point I was getting at the kind there you of go. With, with each diff thing that you're holding you know, for this sort of doomsday scenario, you're making to them by your allocation what others around you are likely to accept. So you're kind of in that situation where chaos has been thrown into everything. You're kind of having to feel out in each relationship as the highest degree of moneyness for that transaction.
0: Yeah, so under normal conditions, that's going to be the money. But under abnormal exactly. condition, conditions, like we're talking about societal breakdown, and that society may be as wide as your county, or it may be as wide as the country. I don't know. Like, And you got to assess, like, okay, how prepared do I need to be for each of those things, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And, and I think kind of lending to that component, you know, whatever. Your stocking, even with just kind of the little thought in the back of the head, like maybe this will be how I get out of dodge when the time comes. It'd be good to kind of assess the area that you're in. If everybody's drinkers, you're gonna to want to load up, her
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I could see. Um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's something about like high value. I, I, I said jewelry at one point, and I just figure maybe that's. As much precious metal as any like typical person need is like the, the jewelry that maybe any average person might have a couple gold necklaces, whatever. Because frankly, I'm thinking about if you, if you needed to barter for say like a tank of gas, right? Like you need something that you're, that you're willing to part with. You don't want to, you don't want to trade something you need right again this is where moneyness comes into play and this is hypothetical you know you, you probably go your whole life without living through a disaster situation but I you know I'd be interested to hear stories about people that lived through Katrina and sort of what the the typical maybe bartering arrangements were because um, I imagine it must have happened right
0: yeah for sure me too I would love to hear that um- yeah I just think like, to me, it's, you, you're not going to see those rails come back on until a certain period of time after the disaster. And that's going to depend on the disaster, right? So Katrina was a few weeks, right?
1: At least a couple. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. So during the actual hurricane, money was worthless. Right. That's but exactly as, my, on yeah, on, yeah, money regained its value because now we're talking about, okay, I need to actually like, reinvest into you know repairing my home or whatever it is and i have the ability to do that but in the moment right like robinson crusoe on an island needs his coconuts and his fish more than he needs shiny rocks Mm -hmm. and that's that's what we're talking about it's just what's the length of time between you know the disaster and that road back to normalcy like how long does that take
1: so there's a there's a possibility that you're in that kind of situation and a bag of jerky is worth way more than a bag of silver right yeah i
0: think so i mean to a starving man right and this goes back to the subjective value this goes back to the value scales
1: just feeling out the moneyness well i guess i'm curious if we can shift gears because you know we've kind of like hit that but you know as a as a novice in this world of crypto you know what would you recommend i do you know cuz frankly i've invested in the tools i i need for now you know and i'm looking forward to my next productive season of work and i think it's possible for the first time i'll be able to stash some aside and nuts and bolts Should I just get a Coinbase account and just put as much, you know, what, 10% a month into that, you know, into into Bitcoin specifically? Should I get more technical than that? I mean, what what would you recommend to a guy like me who 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 sees the value of what you're saying but doesn't want to make it a lifestyle, if you will?
0: Sure. Um, well, first thing I'll say is avoid Coinbase like the plague.
1: Okay, Good they're to know. a bad yeah.
0: company. They're sketchy. No, um, I know they
1: give info to the FBI. And I well, know. there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And and technically, I mean, with all the the financial surveillance that happens in this country, it kind of doesn't matter. But um, they there's stuff that they've said they would never do that they went ahead and did, like listing coins where you know more than fifty-one percent of the coin was owned by the person who started it and things like that. Mm. um which is literally the definition of a ponzi scheme because the value comes from getting other people hyped up and then eventually you just dump all your coins and leave which is the same trade them for bitcoin right which is the same
1: as inflating it or devaluing it or kind of uh the
0: the difference is that you've got something even if it had a cap the what you've done is you've created false hype into it saying oh there's going to be all these people who are interested in it." right you paid millions of dollars for advertising like you can literally pay like so much dollars for um levels of ad campaigning on reddit like people will make bots and just make fake comments on stuff for you so that it boosts the algorithm
1: right right
0: right so they do that um this is what happened with ripple uh and so ripple got listed on coinbase when it was clearly a ponzi scheme from the get-go and so there was actually a whole hashtag delete Coinbase on Twitter for that. Like we were very outspoken about it. Um, and so, yeah, they're just they're not great. Um, they also they do let you withdraw your Bitcoin. So there's that um, one thing I'll tell you is do not keep them on an exchange, whatever exchange you choose to use. Put them um, in a wallet, right? You right, buy you put you them buy in your on wallet.
1: The, you buy it on the exchange and you immediately drop it in your wallet, right? Yeah.
0: Well, or you could wait till a certain amount, right? Because maybe you don't want to move it. You want to move it all at once later because of the, mm. the fees or whatever. But the the point is, like, maybe you buy every week, but then once a month you withdraw. You I know, see. Something like okay. that. Yeah. So uh, I prefer Swan Bitcoin or Strike right now um, because they're just really easy to, to set up and use. Um, they are KYC but um strike is actually helping with el salvador right now like they're providing liquidity for people they're basically getting around customs with remittances so like when you send uh a wire or like a a, uh, what what's the name of it Um, western Union. union yeah if you send western union money order to someone in el salvador uh basically you get raped by the tax man on the way there uh with strike what they actually do is you you put whatever currency you want into it and then you can pay someone in a different currency and they use bitcoin to make that happen overseas so like the us dollar never leaves the us and if you wanted to pay someone in france with francs, they move bitcoin on their back end you don't even see it you don't have to pay taxes on it because it's not your bitcoin it's just strike doing their business stuff and then the guy on the other end gets francs. it's really cool so they're doing this in el salvador Um, basically to help people because like 70% of their economy is based on remittances. So you've got people who come to the U S and then they send money back to their family. And what they've done is they've lubricated those wheels by making it extremely cheap to do that. Um, so I really like what they're doing and I like using their app for that reason. Uh, and both, both strike and Swan have systems where you can set up automatic buys every week, month, whatever. Um, And then automatic withdrawals. So you can set that as like, I just hit, you know, $100 worth of Bitcoin, therefore I want to withdraw. Or you can say it's the 25th of the month and that's when I withdraw. However you want to set that up, you can do that. Um, Just make sure that you withdraw to your own wallet so that you know that it's yours. Um, And then I would recommend uh, just looking into cold storage options. Like if this is going to be just your life savings and you're not planning on like using it on the open market and personally, like I said, like I would pay pay things in US dollar because the US dollar is garbage anyways, right? So pay your bills in that, buy your groceries with that, but anything you're going to hold long term and long term is something that you should define for yourself. I think we're kind of slowly coming to the conclusion that that's about a month, like anything longer than a month I would put into Bitcoin because you're going to get paid again, right? Um, and then put that onto some sort of cold storage whether that's a hardware wallet or a multi-sig setup uh, like yeti cold you know do your research look into it um bitcoin only hardware wallets just because there's less firmware which means less attack surface for anyone who's trying to hack your stuff um got anything to add jared
2: hmm i don't know um big Thing is, just when you're when you're presented with a hard money and a soft money, excuse me, um, you your debt denominated in the soft currency and your credits denominated in the hard currency. So as much as you can tip that scale in your favor, you know, paying off debts like a, you know, a bill at the grocery store, do this in the dollars because next month they don't have the same power and. Your savings and you know potentially your pay comes in Bitcoin because it's going to hold its value. Well, that was where I was going to maybe like take
1: us next. Uh, you know, I've been tempted to look into maybe as a self-employed guy. You know, take taking some portion of my revenue in crypto if if I can find clients who are willing to do so. And I guess I'd be curious, are there any sort of simple protocols where I could, you know, where it's not that much harder than Venmo or PayPal? Um, Because if if it's difficult, my clients aren't going to do it. But I would love to get paid in Bitcoin, you know, if I could.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I guess I don't know from a business perspective anything about legalities on this or how you'd have to do the accounting but i would i would try to incorporate the lightning network into it um, which just means using a slightly different wallet um because that lowers your transaction fees but i would also hmm it's kind of tough because i don't know are you you're not getting paid online, right? Like you don't have someone like swiping their credit card online. Like they're doing Amazon, right?
1: Well, I do. I have a credit card processor that I've paid to use the last couple of years, but it kind of sucks. It's like, I don't know why I'm paying for it. I can just use Venmo. The fees are basically the same and Venmo is a hell of a lot easier. Um, so I'm pretty much going to scrap the credit card processor, I think. Gotcha. I, you know, it's like everybody's cool with Venmo at this point. So it almost feels like we're just one step away from everybody being cool with Bitcoin. Right. But, and it'd be cool to be on the front end of that. But I, mm-hmm. I'm sure it gets confusing, like you said, when it comes to accounting and and legality, because how do you how do you, you know, report well, your it- how do you report your revenue if it's all in a completely different currency?
0: Right. Well, it, I think, see, that's again, I don't know. Cause when you get revenue, what do you pay taxes on exactly? Is it, do you actually pay taxes on your revenue at the end of the year? Or like, how does that work?
1: I mean, you basically pay on your, on your profits, right? So you deduct okay. your expenses, you, you, you report your revenue, you report your expenses, you pay on the, the profit which you know a guy like me is smart enough to basically not not really have much profit if you know what i mean right Right? because you're just
0: you're you're coming back on labor cost and then the rest gets you know spent as a write-off
1: yeah well and i write off thousands of miles because i drive them for work you know Mm -hmm. and that's that's a huge uh write-off and so anyways you know it would get awfully confusing you know, but this is where we kind of almost go into the agorist space, mm. where if I'm say willing to um, have a portion of my clients who pay one way,
0: <laughs> and, right.
1: uh, and 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 another portion who pays the traditional way, um, you know, who needs to know, right?
0: Well, and that's, you know, that's something for you to decide. I will say this right now. I'm not advocating tax evasion. Um, Of course, of course. Me neither.
1: Me neither. Right. You know, but, but, you know, and and people,
0: here's (laughs) the thing. If a 15 year old wants to mow a lawn for 30 bucks, I don't have a problem with it. So, yeah. Um, what I would say personally, this is, um, I think you, okay. As an institution. So as a business, I would have a hardware wallet. Like a cold card or a bitbox um, that I would use, or a Keystone, um, depending on it. So, if, if you have iPhone, uh, go with the Keystone wallet because it's compatible with it. Uh, if you have Android, I would just do a bitbox because it's just easy as dirt. Um, and it's it, you can because it plugs it actually plugs into the new USB C ports for Android phones. Um, so, you can use it on the go, but it's a hardware wallet, right? Um, I would have one designated. So you you might have your own hardware wallet that you use as your personal savings and then you have another one for the business. Right. And that way you can record and you're going to have, you know, receipts for all of your work that you do. And so you're just recording. Okay. This is how much I, I got in dollar value. You know, the, the IRS doesn't, I don't even think they need to know the actual number of Bitcoin you have, but it's the dollar value. So like, if you receive 50 bucks today, that's all they need to know. When you spend your Bitcoin, that's when the taxation happens on that. So I know for an, as an individual, if you, there's short-term gain, which is you sold the Bitcoin within a year of purchasing it. And then there's long-term gain, which is you held it for longer than a year before selling it. Um, and the taxes are lower on long-term gain, right? And the reason for that is because they're trying to tax day traders on Wall Street. So short-term gains, I can tell you if it's less than $10,000, it's like 10%. Um, and then, and that's, again, that's when you spend it. So you, you made gains on the value of the Bitcoin by holding it. Um, I think your profits are just the dollar denomination. So if you get that $50 worth of Bitcoin... At the end of the year you say i receive 50 dollars in profit and that's what gets taxed you see what i'm saying but the bitcoin might outpace that value of the tax see what i'm saying
1: yeah so it'd still potentially be like a net gain
0: yeah and 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 i think mathematically the goal is if you receive bitcoin engineer it so that the bitcoin you hold is going to be held for four years because four years is about the time it takes to make a big swing like that
1: So, I mean, this is kind of making me think about this concept we talked about last time. I think I was with you guys, uh, like Byzantinism, and just like how shit's getting so convoluted and complicated. And, you know, tax code when it comes to this whole new world of Bitcoin, like, you can tell they're almost scrambling to regulate and to, like, control it in some way. I mean, again, like in terms of sort of agorist thought, do you guys think there's a chance that we're, that we're getting to the point where the IRS could be obsolete, like useless? Um, maybe they'll try, but like whatever they do, we, we can outsmart them. I mean, is that possible or are they always going to have a hold on us? (laughs) You
2: know? No.
1: I hope so. Hmm.
0: Yeah, oh, my opinion here is that the only way that the U.S. government gets out of the hole they dug is by realizing that they need to just buy Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. Um
0: I don't. Here, here's the cool thing about it, right? It's immutable and it's uncompensatable. So, what's going to happen is they're going to have to create a favorable environment for it right? They're going to have to keep the regulation low enough that people don't revolt because what's going to happen is they're just going to push people into the black market if they, if they go too high, if they run that too hot. Right. So the way I see it is, you know, I'm holding the Bitcoin because even if I pay taxes on it, I know that I have control of this. And you know, the day that I hop the border to Mexico, I still have it, right? They can't shut my account off the bank can shut your account off. MasterCard can shut your account off. Yeah. Um, MasterCard actually is the reason why OnlyFans um, actually was trying to like, get rid of the porno part of their website because MasterCard didn't want anything to do with porn. So they shut off OnlyFans,
1: right? And And this continues
0: to happen to businesses all over the place.
1: I heard that people who have OnlyFans um, on their bank statements, might I don't know if this is true, but I heard something about it. Might uh, have like repercussions or consequences to their credit mm. score, oh, right? Like they yikes. might they might get docked on their credit score because wow. it's like you're a high risk, um, you know. We're <laughs> borrower, literally, we're account literally account going
0: to Chinese style social credit score here. Yes, that is exactly but,
1: it's social. That's social credit <laughs> it's score. Social that's, engineering. That's peeking into your. I mean, and frankly, yeah, your personal financials, but also sort of your, your, your vices, you know, it's like on your bank statement, they can't tell if you bought cigarettes at the gas station or a, or a candy bar. But if it says only fans, they know that you like porno, you know,
0: yeah. like- well, <laughs> uh, here's a, here's a question for you. Um, do you know why every weed store, even in states where it's legal, has an ATM in the front?
1: Because they don't want, they don't want it on your bank statement or, well, no, I,
0: it's because we are not right? allowed to use the banking system.
1: Yeah. 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 Cash only business. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know they that. They can't use yeah. the
0: banking system for legal reasons. And that's why. Um, so again, if the government can shut my bank account off, that sucks and it puts power in their hands against me. Holding Bitcoin means that I can do, you know, in, in a, emergency situation is what i'll call it i can feel at ease that the value that i've stored can't just be confiscated right
1: right 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 and
0: this is again this goes back to the exchange thing and why you need to withdraw because an exchange is no better than a bank in fact they're an unregulated bank for the most part i mean they don't even you know what i mean like they're they're a company that says they owe you so much but they can do even more shadowy crap than you know Bank of America can, and that says saying a lot, right? Because they they're already shady. <laughs> Banks are already shady. Yeah, man. And like yeah. you said, with the Feds, if the Feds tell Base to shut off your Coinbase account and you have a Bitcoin on there that you failed to withdraw, well, you just lost. Well, right now forty two thousand dollars worth.
1: You know yeah i find I find the intersection of we keep kind of coming back to this, but the intersection of permaculture and Bitcoin to be an interesting notion because there are some parallels, and obviously, there are people who are interested in both. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of like maybe there are similar values being expressed in in very different ways or something of that nature. But, I I can't help but think that um basically we're we're working towards a better system and yes the federal government will do what they can the IRS will do what they can to to keep you know milking us but it's almost like what you're saying if I'm hearing you right is that we can almost show them the way by 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 accepting Bitcoin and using Bitcoin. Uh, you know, not that the government's ever going to be good, but if they can pay off their own fucking debts with Bitcoin, I say go for it, like right on. As long as we can still do our thing too, right? I mean, is that is that what you're? Uh, I don't know. Am I, am I, am I following you there?
0: Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, in in the case of the government, I mean, this is why, you know, so many people are gold bugs is that, you know, not only am I able to maintain my value in the gold, but if the government, you know, think, think of it like, um, remember how I said that inflation is basically how they pay for war, right? If they can't do that because no one's using their crap, then they're restricted because eventually, right, the international market is going to say, we want Bitcoin, not US dollars. And as soon as that happens, war becomes an almost a non-issue because it's so damn expensive. And all of, all of the overreach, right? This is what kept government limited to any degree is the idea that, um, The money's worth whatever it's worth, and they have to have money to run their business just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, If if they are allowed to debase the currency, that's how, I mean, Caesar debased the, the gold coins, right? This is why we have ridges on quarters, is because we're trying to prove that the quarter hasn't been clipped. Because what Caesar did was he actually clipped the outsides of the coins very shallowly and carefully so it still looked right. And then he took the clippings and he melted them down and made more coins and said, it's worth the same when it wasn't.
2: Huh, wow. And
0: so that's why they had to have those scales to actually be able to tell that the gold weighed the same as the old gold, because I had mine left over. And so I say, here's an ounce of gold. And I put a coin in the on my side of the tray. And then the guy trying to buy stuff from me puts his gold in. And if his gold weigh, weighs less, he has to put more in to make it even. So with Bitcoin, well, Bitcoin is just Bitcoin. I don't need the scales to figure that out. The the nodes do it. The network does it, right? Um, so if if the government has to use Bitcoin, and this is why I say, like, if, if China, you know, let's say China is soaking up all the Bitcoin. Well, I mean, good for them. If China goes on a on a Bitcoin standard, I'm happy for them, right? And in fact, it would actually solve a lot of our problems because economic strife and all of this international manipulation is what... Like I said, it's what I believe caused world wars. So if we're looking at a war with China, how do we stop it? We get one of our countries to not be able to fight it because they have to use real money to pay their people. They can't use monopoly money. They can't use Chuck E. Cheese tokens anymore. Yeah, can't do that
1: anymore. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then just to kind of relate it back to sort of a, a ground level permaculture, you, you know if, if you think of a food forest what are you doing you're, you're investing time and labor and value to put these plants in they're going to produce for decades upon decades right hopefully a lifetime there, there's a plan to it it's going to be this continuous cycle but these you know um these plants are perennial they come back every year most of them right um this is, this is why we get so angry about corn because it is an annual and annuals shouldn't be grown on the scale that corn is grown um, for all of the reasons we talked about earlier. And so Bitcoin to me is the financial fruition of that concept of lowering our time preference and pushing that value further into the future and in a way that it, it is allowed to grow and to solidify into you know, if you think of the, the tree roots becoming established in the soil, that's what hard money does over time. And that's what allows us like you were talking about using Bitcoin in your business. Well, you know, back in the day, before credit became the main mode of the economy, people actually had to save money to start a business. And that's what Bitcoin will re-enable and it, it will disable this, this debt based way of life because people will see the math right i don't i don't even think you have to understand bitcoin to see the math happening and just go well shit. i guess i'm gonna do this now right people don't know what's in their 401k what stocks are in it they just know that it gains four percent a year and mm-hmm. i being on the precipice of what i think is a new era in money and i'm sorry about my dog what That's i think right. is a new era in money recognize that bitcoin is gaining more than my 401k i recognize that that inflation is worse than the gain on my 401k so what's the point of doing a 401k if it's four percent versus at minimum seven percent inflation right it's math it's just basic math
2: yeah absolutely
1: well shit, man you've convinced me i'll tell you that
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you
1: go no i mean it does it it feels as though You know, I I will continue to say that, like, there's no need for war because, like, all the solutions are almost inevitable, I think. Like, decentralization is happening as we speak, you know? And we're just proving that there's a better way, little by little. It's not happening as quick as we want, you know, but... I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but
0: I think it's on purpose, right? You want it to be slow so that the transition is peaceful.
1: Yeah, I guess so. If you look at yeah, I mean, definitely.
0: if you if you think about what happened in Africa, and this is actually why I think slavery happened is that the British came along with gold, which was a better money and soaked up and, the value that and was
1: stored and guns. True, Let's not true. forget. Yeah.
0: But originally the beginning of it was the economics, and they were using glass beads as money, and glass beads were hard to produce, but guess what the British could do? They could produce a shitload of glass beads, right? So they go and they buy everything up, buy up all of their livelihood, and the natives in Africa were left with a bunch of glass beads and no food to eat. They can't eat, they can't eat money, right? Mm. Going back to that. Um, and so eventually, in order to pay for things, because the glass beads were worthless, the only thing they had left was their bodies. And so the way that they ended up on the boat was actually because their br- brothers were selling them out just to survive. That's how slavery happens. Slavery is when you get into so much debt, when your money is so ruined that the only thing you can do is sell your, you know, your, your brothers and sisters. Wow. And
1: we're just doing that in a different way now. Like you said, with yep. this debt, with this debt based system, Right.
0: And that's what Jack Spierko says all the time. Debt is a form of slavery is the worst form of slavery because it's a slavery we do to ourselves.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: yeah, like you could view the British coming in as an act of aggression and doing that because they could have, you know, instead of, instead of literally pillaging them economically, they could have, you know, produced and, and traded actual goods instead of inflating a foreign country's money supply with new money um but the economics are still the economics you need sound money and we've we think we've discovered it right it's it's digital property it's these addresses that you find by generating a key and you generate a public key and a private key the public key is the property the private key is the the key to the door Mm -hmm. right and inside you can store any amount of value and that's yours as long as you're the only one with the key that's why it's property it's digital real estate but it's better than real estate because like i said real estate's hard to sell bitcoin can go overseas for the same price that i can send it to you right now um and i'll you know i'll leave a lot of this to michael taylor if you want to go listen to his interview with uh either, either Tucker Carlson, that was great. That was an interesting one. Or, um, the most recent one he did on the Bitcoin standard podcast, which is safe podcast. Uh, he, he gets into these crazy analogies and, and what you can do with Bitcoin economically that I think are just, well, at at the least interesting to think about.
1: Well, I'm, I'm like encouraged, man. Like I, you know, it's, it's not as if I feel like I understand it any, any more necessarily, but <laughs> it's kind of like it's simpler. I'm, I'm starting to realize it's simpler than it sounds, right? Yeah. It's simpler than Absolutely. it sounds. I, I'm grateful the way you just kind of summarized it about the key and the door. And uh, it's not that fucking scary, you know. Let's like it's it's obviously better. It works better. Damn it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you should see how wire transfers actually take place. They're hopping banks around the world, right? If you send send a wire transfer to like Moscow or whatever, it's mm-hmm. got to hit every bank along the way, Europe, whatever. Uh, you know, let's say it hits England and then it hits somewhere else, the Ukraine, I don't know, and then it hits Moscow finally, right? and you can't see where that transaction is until it finally gets there. And transactions do get stuck, they get lost along the way. Really? Even in the digital dollar system, in this IOU system where everything's just supposed to be a simple spreadsheet, um, they still have to go across international borders and it's awful, because you have no idea where it stopped. You only know the bank it's going to and the bank it's coming from.
1: That's wild. So yeah, yeah I it mean it's way easier. <laughs> it's better, it's more secure, yeah, cheaper, yeah. No, I'm I'm hearing it, man. Yep. It's...
0: And and I'll just say this for like the security of it. If if you're willing to trust a bank with like your online banking and you put in a password that's like your kid's name and their birthday, and you think Bitcoin isn't secure, I don't know what to tell you, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess speaking a little bro- more broadly, like on that topic, is that a lot of people just don't care to understand or even even try, you know, like they'll they will be grudgingly adapt. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's another symptom of soft money, though. You yeah. you not incentivized to look into the future. Mm-hmm. You need to get right. rid of that useless shit in your pocket as fast as you can. And you're going to throw it at whatever is available as fast as you can. Money's worth less than today, tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that instills hopelessness in the society. You can see Absolutely. that all over Bitcoin spaces, podcasts, whatever it is. I mean, it, we're always talking about like, man, our the amount of hope that we have because of Bitcoin is... I mean especially in 2022 where we are right now yeah um it's you need it you know what is it
1: satoshi was that the guy that invented it or Mm -hmm. yeah that was his
0: online name satoshi nakamoto Uh, yeah he was the developer who put all the pieces together the pieces have been floating around for decades Mm -hmm. it was just putting the right ones in the right combination to make bitcoin
1: is it true that nobody knows who who that is
0: yeah, the, there's one person claiming, there's a guy named Craig Wright claiming to be Bitcoin, <laughs> and he's literally trying to sue other Bitcoin developers for the private keys to Satoshi's wallets, and it's going nowhere. He's a complete idiot. That's he's fucking, a scumbag. He's a
1: scumbag liar, yeah. Because
0: internet truth, if if you were Satoshi, you would just spend something out of his wallet, and then we'd all go, oh shit, right? He's out but there. But he's not doing he's it. There. He's yeah, no. yeah, he's trying to use the legal system to confiscate bitcoins that were created in the first few blocks yeah to quote-unquote prove that he's satoshi which he'd be proving it in the eyes of the legal system but he wouldn't be proving it in reality
1: yeah yeah fuck that guy no i i I like i like that nobody knows who it is because it's like if this shit fucking saves the world holy hell (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The target
0: on his back would be insane. I mean, just right now. I mean, think about it. Like, he's got how many thousands of bitcoins? Mm. Um, well,
2: it's just a better, uh, like immaculate conception. It's a better that, story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need yeah.
0: that piece of the story.
1: Do you think he? I, I imagine. I say he. You know, we don't know. Right? He, she? Whatever. They. Um. They? Do you think? <laughs> do you think they knew? like, exactly what the fuck they had, you know?
0: Do you think? I, th- I think I think they knew what they were putting together. Um, and once most of the major development, you know, like, the initial major development in 2009 happened, like, he was there for about four years um, before the first halving happened, which every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that comes out with every block halves. Okay, mm-hmm. so it started at 50, then it went to 25 and it's currently at 6.25 okay um and every and that's just the amount of new bitcoin right so that gets paid to the miners and eventually that'll hit zero and we'll be at a zero percent inflation rate um so he was around before the first having and then he kind of dropped off the map and i th- people have speculated about it and they said well at the time know he had been getting into arguments with other developers and things like that and it kind of hit a point where he i I think that he realized that if he was the guy in charge and he got his way as the guy in charge then the whole point of the decentralized network would fall off it it would it would be him it would be satoshi's network not bitcoin Yeah, yeah right and this is what this is why A lot of us are why jared and i and and so many people have become what are called bitcoin maximalists Mm -hmm. which was originally a slur actually created by the bitcoin cash guys um but the reason we are this is because so many of these other coins are run by a developer they're run by they have a king let's put it that way they've
1: got an overlord they've got Mm -hmm.
0: somebody who can rewrite the rules when he decides it's not going well yeah And so many coins have have been ruined by that because they just decide, oh, you know what? This guy's acting unfairly, so we're just going to take his money and and redistribute it. And it's like, well, that's not a decentralized network at all, because really what's happening is you've got, um, you know, like I said, people like to play with stocks, right? And so crypto looks like stocks. And so they play with them and it's, you know, it's like gambling, right? So they gamble with these new coins and there's hype, right? And going back to the Ponzi scheme idea, they they get in on the hype. And then... um, you know the idea is to to sell out of it back into whatever money they use, whether it's U.S. dollars or Bitcoin. A lot of it, a lot of times, you're actually selling back into Bitcoin. Um, but they get on in on that hype, and uh, you know, like I said, somebody somebody will decide that it's not going well, and they'll just break it, right? Because there's there's no actual reason for the people getting in to hold to actually run a node and make that network wider so people in bitcoin have a culture we say if you're not running your own node you're not actually a user you're just a a consumer of bitcoin but a user with a capital u is someone who runs their own node because they are verifying the rules of the network and that their bitcoins are real and that no one can take that away from them Mm. all right if i'm getting in on monero i guarantee you i'm not i'm doing it because i'm trying to buy weed on the black market on the internet And I'm not going to run a node. I'm just going to buy some Monero on Coinbase, send it to myself and then send it to this guy. And then hopefully it's, you know, private. But, you know, even the argument for that, which I've had several people argue to me, they say, look, I'll hold Bitcoin for savings, but we'll go into Monero to do, you know, dirty things like buy weed. Mm -hmm. Well, but the problem is your Ops tech outside of Monero is an issue. What about leaking your IP address? What about interacting with a Fed? What about um, your email address being connected to an account that you were logged into and if that somehow gets connected to it? Like there's all sorts of things. You know, my bank knows that I sent money to someone, even if they don't know why. Yeah, And the IRS, I guarantee you, in about 10 minutes can figure out that I was buying Bitcoin on BISC, which is a decentralized network with no KYC. So the IRS knows I had Bitcoin and it doesn't matter because they can see the dollar side of the whole thing. They can see, even if there's like a, a blacked out part of the economy, they can see what's happening around it and they can find you so again i'm not advocating tax evasion because the idea of on-chain privacy like this coin is private therefore i can use it to buy illegal stuff it's just a silly idea really if you think about the economy as a whole you're only looking at that coin when what you should be looking at is your entire opsec and if Mm -hmm. you want to go completely off the grid. You need to fake your death, get a new phone, change your name. Like, (laughs) do you know how difficult that would be? Never talk to your family again because it'll trigger your ad ID and then Facebook will tell the government that they found you.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. We are, we are there. You're right. I mean, a hundred percent. So the trick
0: is not to evade taxation. The trick is to beat them at their game. The trick is to show them that The only way that they're going to survive as an entity is to join because they're going to get all of the value that they can create siphoned away from them by this thing called Bitcoin. And I don't, you know, uh, Michael Saylor kind of shits on people for saying like, you know, we don't want to look like revolutionaries. We don't want to look like we're tearing down the government. What we want to do is show people that we have this new you know, societal infrastructure, this economic infrastructure that will make life better for everybody. And if the government's still around for it, that's great. But it also means that the government's going to be a better government for it too. And I'm okay with that. I mean, yeah, the way yeah. I see it is Bitcoin's going to make the world better, whether or not it makes the world anarchist.
1: But yeah, like going about it legitimately, right? Like too legit, man. We're going to be too legit to quit. Fucking, yeah. you know, like get on the train, like get on the bandwagon. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah that's an analogy he uses it's a train that's going whether you're honored or not so you know if if you jump off the train that's your own problem
1: yeah, yeah. right
0: get on before it leaves and we're uh-huh. so early man we were watching in that live stream at the end i think jared was gone already but i was hanging around and they had a segment on bitcoin magazine where this girl's walking around disneyland and she's uh, asking people what they know about Bitcoin, and we are so early; nobody knows a damn thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they still think it's a scam. They still think it's speculation. Right. We are so early. Sixty nine thousand isn't going to be the top. It's not even close.
1: Well, I tell you what. I mean, how do y'all feel about wrapping it up? Is I that feels like a pretty good yep. spot? You know, I. I, again, I'm like encouraged by this. It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'm feeling like that was a good spot. So,
1: all right, guys. Well, uh, any plugs or anything you want to, you want to say,
0: uh, just check out our podcast revolution solution. We are exploring, you know, a a holistic view of sovereignty, um, whether that's technology, you know, computer security or if it's food security or, you know, we're, we're doing permaculture too. So, um, yeah, just go listen to that and and hit us up on, we have a Twitter account, Revcel pod. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask any questions, so, or, or give any advice. So
1: right on. Yeah. And if you're hearing this on revolution solution, check out the easy peasy pod. Um, that's one word, easy, easy <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotta
2: get slow roll yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> alright guys well fuck yeah I appreciate it you know
0: awesome thanks man, for to uh, talk again. talking to us man
1: absolutely yeah we'll do it again
0: alright cheers
1: alright peace and love. love peace and love this has been Mike the Polymath with the Easy Peasy the podcast come back again